Hey, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I'm your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. So today we are talking about the intersection of spirituality and skincare. Now, this is a topic you cannot adequately or fully cover in one episode, and certainly we're not even going to try today. I am sure it is a topic that is going to come up time and time again in many future episodes. After all, Mind Body Green is where soul meets science. But there's another reason that it will likely come up a lot in this podcast, because so many beautifying rituals have spiritual and cultural roots. Bathing practices, oil ceremonies, botanical rituals, these all have long been used in cultures around the world for all of human history. So many of the common beauty and personal care routines we do today look strikingly similar to healing ceremonies of the past and present. And even if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person, I myself have a complicated journey with spirituality. I do think that the link between rituals and and skincare and these ceremonies make for, at the very least, an interesting and illuminating discussion. And no matter where you come from and what you believe in, I think we can all learn and appreciate how these healing and beautifying rituals have evolved over time. It also serves as a good reminder that self-care rituals are more than just the frivolous marketing pushes we so often see today. Caring for ourselves has always been part of our deepest human nature. And to talk about it, I'm going to bring on Deborah Hackenkamp. You might know her as Mama Medicine. She has been name-checked by the likes of Alicia Keys to Oprah and featured in almost all major press outlets like T, the New York Times Magazine, The New Yorker, The Wall Street Journal, and so on. She has shared her journey with spirituality several times before, so, you know, go check that out if you don't know her story already. And today, she joins me to talk about self-care, as well as the profound intersection of beauty and spirituality. Let's go ahead and get into it. Deborah, welcome. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me here. Hi. I'm so excited to have this conversation. This is something that I am interested in and I feel that I'm on my own journey with. So I'm just so excited to chat with you. You know, this is all about the intersection of beauty and spirituality. And I think it's a beautiful, lovely, and very personal topic. And just to help the listener understand, you know, why, why you're here today to talk about this and a little bit just more about yourself. Will you just share a little bit of your journey with us and, you know, how you got to this point where you are and why you feel that this is an important part of the conversation to have now? I would just love to hear a little bit about about your journey. Yeah, sure. So I offer something called medicine readings, which is where we meet online and we talk about anything that you're calling in or clearing out. And I then read your aura and I tell you about what I see coming up that could be hidden talents and gifts. And then we do a whole healing ceremony. And this is something that I've been facilitating for the past 20 years. It's the only career that I've ever had. And through through word of mouth and I think through people just really getting a lot out of medicine readings, um, I've grown into a place where I've written a book called Ritual Baths, Be Your Own Healer, 
I've opened a beautiful online community called Space by Mama Medicine, and I lead healing retreats all over the world. And the whole focus of my work is all about being your own healer and really connecting to the power of nature to be your own healer. And the reason why be your own healer is just so incredibly important to me is because I started out in the spiritual world at a very young age. And I saw a lot of people giving their power away to some guru on a pedestal and searching for forms of healing from outside of themselves. And I wanted to work in a way that really empowered people, work in a way where people felt like they didn't necessarily need me, like they could just almost as if the healing is just coming from them because it is. And it's, and along this, this journey, I was able to go back and forth to Thailand for five years. And I studied energy healing and sound healing and crystal healing. And I went back and forth to the Peruvian Amazon and did a really strong deep dive apprenticeship there working with plant medicine for eight years. And so, and and now even, you know, you fast forward 20 years later and I still feel like I'm at the beginning of it all. And I still feel like I have so much to learn and so much growing to do and really so much healing to do myself. So I really like to you know, be an inspiration to others to be their own healer. I love empowering people to find it within themselves because I think that is truly where healing begins and that's where you can actually start that journey. And we're going to get into so many of these aspects of spirituality throughout the episode, but you know, this is a beauty podcast and we are going to talk about this very unique and lovely intersection of beauty and spirituality. So, you know, before we dive into all the nuances that go into that, I want to ask you about your beauty journey, your skin journey. What is your relationship with beauty? What is your relationship with your skin? And, you know, how did you how did you marry these two spaces together and, you know, what inspired you to do that? So, I I was introduced to self-care at a very young age. I think you know I I was thinking about this when 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 did it all begin for me? And with ritual baths, I think it began being raised northern baptist and being really obsessed with the idea of baptism and wanting in in that religion, you usually don't get baptized until you're in your 30s and you technically have like sins to wash away. But I remember like demanding to my pastor to be baptized at eight years old. And so the idea of like submersing yourself in water as a form of spiritual cleansing was very, very, very important and clear to me at a young age. And I also had a really powerful example. I had many powerful examples of self-care surrounding me in my life at a young age. For example, a great grandmother who who lived to be 101 years old. And she would always, she would have a glass of red wine every night and she would always put olive oil in her skin and in her food. And she she always, and her skin was just, it was so beautiful. It was like this deep, dark Sicilian olive color. And she was in her 
90s and she had no wrinkles and just really an inspiration of it being the little things and like living the simple life that helps you to really take care of yourself and slow down the aging process. And then my father's side, I had an aunt who I actually lived with here and there from time to time growing up. And she got me super into, you know, taking care of my hair, taking care of my skin. You know, she showed me how to put on makeup and she showed me how to moisturize. And she she was like, you, you really have to take good care of your skin. And she was really focused on enforcing to me how to how to really like protect my skin, I guess. So I think I was introduced to it at a young age, but I think there was also this feeling of it just it all being so inspirational. And I think with the inspiration of my great grandmother, I really saw self-care being something she lived rather than something she did. And I think when we think about self-care now, and especially when it comes to the beauty aspect of self-care, there's always so much we have to do. There's always this like laundry list of things that we have to do. So let's go ahead and take a moment to deconstruct the big business of self-care. It's a broad category, so it involves a lot, but some estimates note that it's become a $450 billion market and it's only growing. In fact, between 2019 and 2020, Google search trends shows a 250% increase in self-care related searches. And I think we can easily identify a few of the reasons why this is happening. The first is people are becoming more open to holistic approaches to wellness. The second is obviously the stress and burden of the past year has, has forced many of us to look for new outlets of healing. And finally, the rising cost of healthcare means people are looking to take their health into their own hands. Now, we so often roll our eyes at self-care as a distinctly millennial thing, but research shows that it spans generations. In fact, 44% of millennials say they practice self-care, but 57% of baby boomers do, and an astonishing 64% of the swing generation say they do as well. And I think it's better to integrate it more as just part, part of life. So I had really good examples in that regard. We have certainly commodified and I mean, I, I don't want to say it, but almost bastardized the idea of self-care as something that it, you know, to your point, it has a laundry list and it that's not how self-care and these rituals have been viewed in the past. And we're going to get to this throughout this episode, but kind of the aligning purpose of, of what we're talking about in this conversation is this idea that beauty rituals have always been steeped in these healing practices, you know, throughout human history and by cultures of all kinds. And, you know, so many of these beautifying rituals are viewed first and foremost as healing practices. And the fact that we've kind of separated it from that is, you know, it's problematic in some ways, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's taken away the, the importance of these practices and turned it into something more superficial or more more in that place of like fixing ourselves mm -hmm. rather than healing ourselves mm -hmm. 
you know, and more focused on our flaws rather than just this is who this is who we are. It's you know, we're not yeah. flawed because we're having a breakout or something. Yeah. It's just it's just who we are. It's something is being expressed, right? So before we get into some of this other stuff and some of specific rituals that you talk about in your own practices, I've read some of what you have said about cultural appropriation. And, you know, it is such an important discussion that we are having in the beauty space right now. I mean, beyond the beauty space, but specifically because I live in the beauty space and you do too, you know, it is something that we that we are talking about and we are more aware of. And in your approach and how you view it in your point of view, I think you have this really lovely way of describing how you approach this conversation because you you explore a lot of different cultural practices in your own practice. And I would just, I would love to for you to explain your point of view and how you've come to understand this, this sensitive topic. Yeah. You know, so I think I should go, I should back up a little bit and, and take you back to around 2008, 2009, when I was pretty deep within my apprenticeship, going back and forth to the Peruvian Amazon. And I had never really seen too many foreigners in the area that I was in up until that point. And no, actually, I should say fast forward to maybe 2011, you started seeing a lot of people come in from outside all over, all over the States and Europe to this particular part of Peru and just, just kind of want to have the look or they wanted to like be shamans kind of, they didn't necessarily want to do the work that it took or to respect the the people that these practices were coming from. And so I had quite a sensitivity to what we know now as cultural appropriation for a, a long time going all the way back, back then. And I, so I started contemplating it then, like I had this whole deep apprenticeship there I received a coronation, which basically says, and this is after eight years of really deep work there, Wow! basically says like, okay, you are now a healer. They don't actually use the word shaman within the Mestizo lineage. They, They use the word healer, but they say, okay, you are now a healer or a curer and you can lead your own ayahuasca ceremonies. But for me, it actually didn't feel right to lead my own ayahuasca ceremonies. And it, it felt like I wanted to keep the ayahuasca in, in the jungle and respect that it was becoming an endangered plant species because of the overusage. But I also noticed that there were a lot of people who looked like me or sounded like me who didn't do the work that I did and wanted to be leaders of ayahuasca ceremonies. And so I really thought about the example that I would be setting to people if I were to lead ayahuasca ceremonies. And that was a big reason why I stepped away from it. And yeah, I think that with with feeling into that sensitivity and what it is about this that felt so strong for me is that we, if we go back 
deep enough into all of our own lineages. And even if you don't necessarily know who your ancestors are, you you can feel it in your bones or just when you look at a fire and you feel hypnotized by the flame. If you go back far enough into your own lineage, there's certain ceremonies, there's certain rituals that are universal. And I think that the way we move from cultural appropriation into a place of cultural appreciation is to go further back and focus a lot more on universal ceremony. So we're not taking from a culture that is not our own, or we don't have permission from someone within that culture to use these practices. But we're going, we're going back far enough to the things that just connect us all as human beings, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so bathing is one of those things and actually anointing. That's what I was thinking of too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, bathing, anointing with oil, that's a big, that's very universal. You know, fire clearings and fire cleansings, that's that's very, very universal. To go to a place with clay and mud and to cover yourself in the clay and mud and then stand out in the sun, that is, that's very universal. And if you think about it, these really are that intersection of beauty rituals that meet spirituality because we're purifying our spirits, but we're also cleansing our, our skins. And there's sort of this spiritual glow that emanates outward from us that everyone can kind of see and feel. So universal ceremony, I think, is a really big thing to focus on. And then also cultural appre- appreciation, like celebrating and highlighting the beautiful practices and work that are within other cultures, but not necessarily needing to teach them or own an aspect of them as if they were our own. And if if you are teaching something from another culture, then, you know, honor that culture, bring that cu- culture forward and really know exactly where, what region, spend time in the country that you're using the, the practice from, really get to know it because there's so much beauty in the willingness to learn. There is so much beauty in the willingness to learn. And I I think your points about, you know, you can appreciate so many uh, things from other cultures and, you know, really see the beauty in them without necessarily having to claim it as your own or having to anoint yourself as an authority in that topic. I loved your approach and I just wanted to chat about it just because it is something that comes up quite a bit. But to get back to what you were talking about, about universal ceremonies and, you know, you mentioned baths and that's kind of where my head went to as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at cultures throughout time and around the world, bathing is, you know, this this ceremony of, of, of healing and this beautifying ceremony that just has this, you know, really profound effect on us, you know, families do it together, or, you know, you, you have certain rituals that you go through and bathing practices. And I, I, I think the idea of bathing and creating a ritual around bathing is something that is just, it's, it's so beautiful. You know, I always say my favorite step in my skincare routine is washing my face because, you know, Mm -hmm. I think there is like this really beautiful practice of it, of, you know, cleansing your skin, cleansing the day off. 
And I know it's important in your practice as well. You know, you've you teach ritual baths. You've literally written a book on ritual baths. It's clearly something that is fundamentally part of your practice. Will you just explain a little bit more about the concept of a ritual bath, what goes into it, and how your ritual bath works? You know, what is what is unique to your ceremony? Well, I think that the most what what changes a bath from just a regular bath to a ritual bath is just the acknowledgement of how you feel when before you get into the bath and how you feel when you get out of the bath and that that feeling of being cleansed goes more than skin deep that it's you know so it's it's really just a practice of paying attention it's a practice of awareness how do i feel when i go in how do i feel when i get out and then i think that for me, you know, this is the biggest step and maybe one of the deepest steps in being our own healer because healing has a lot to do with cleansing and, and allowing ourselves to transform old and outdated. And so for me with sharing ritual baths, it was like, what is the one thing that I can do that will inspire many, many people to connect to the power of nature in order to be their own healers. And so I really love bringing natural elements into the bath, flowers and herbal teas, crystals, even stones that you've found on the beach that really speak to you and salts. And I really like getting very earthy and kind of gritty with the baths and and then noticing too that something that makes my spirit feel good or a natural smell that really inspires me also will happen to make my skin really happy as well. I mean, how often do you do this for yourself? Is this a pretty regular ritual? Is there, you know, do you encourage people to do this regularly or is it just when it feels right? Yeah. I So I try to do it at least once a week for myself, but guess what? I, my bath, in my apartment was taken away from me for a long No. It was so sad, Alex. It was so I'm sad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I had to get really into foot baths and hand baths. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, they've even done some research and, you know, obviously a full body bath has so, so many benefits, but they've done some research and it they do show that foot baths can have quite similar benefits to a full body bath, you know, if, if you have the right intentions going into it, of course, which I just, I always find fascinating. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a book out there that's called Of People and Plants by Maurice Messicu. I, I, my French is terrible, so... I'm probably not saying his last name correct, but he writes all about how he would treat people. He was a very well-known herbalist in, in France, I believe around the 1940s. And he writes a lot about how he would treat people almost completely with foot baths and really help heal things like liver disease and diabetes and things with the different herbs that he was putting in the foot baths and, and just simple suggestions for lifestyle changes. So in the 1940s, Maurice Messicu was an herbalist to the stars, royalty, politicians, popes, you name it. 
He was something of a minor celebrity himself. And yes, he did focus on foot baths. So today there's been some decent research on the benefits of a foot soak. For example, there was one 2016 peer-reviewed study that found a nightly foot soak was able to help patients sleep more soundly throughout the night. And these benefits were even greater when they were paired with a gentle foot rub. Another small study found that when elderly patients had a twice daily hot foot soak, their overall energy levels improved. An additional study done with elderly patients found that regular foot soaks may reduce stress and hypertension. And finally, a recent pilot study found that foot baths helped lower levels of cortisol or the stress hormone. I bring this up because so many people don't have proper baths in their house, but this is a good way to get similar benefits of bathing in a much smaller space. So it's a very, very fascinating, you know, lived practice and study of the power of foot baths. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, throughout, you know, religious texts and throughout spirit and human history, there's always been, or many times there's been an element of, you know, washing, washing someone's feet. So there, you know, I think there, it has to speak to something I would, you know, I would think. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've, we've talked about bathing practices, but are there any other examples that come to mind of these ancient healing practices that we kind of now view as beauty practices? You know, I think the examples are abundant, but I'm just curious to see which ones come to mind for you. Right away, what comes to mind for me is anointing with oil, you know, and how we are so, we're so into our beauty oils now. And to me, that's, it's so beautiful to see herbal oils come forward as beauty practices, because it is like an ancient practice of anointing ourselves, really, whether we have intention around it or not. Um, yeah, so that's the f- the first thing that comes up for me outside of baths is the idea of anointing ourselves. Just quick follow up question to that: I'm out of curiosity, do you have any favorite oils? Oh, I do. I ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in terms of brands that are out there, um, I really love May Lindstrom her her pendulum potion. I love Max and Me. I am the light oil. I'm I'm really really into Supernal also, Cosmic Glow oil. But I also really love making my own herbal oils just for myself. When when you make your own herbal oils, what are some of your favorite bases? And then what do you add into them? I'm I'm, I'm curious now. <laughs> Yeah. So as a shout out to granny, this, that's what I would call my great grandmother and, you know, bringing forward that my Sicilian roots. Yes. Um, I, I love olive oil, but that is for, for my skin in particular. I think everybody has to find their own favorite base oil because olive oil isn't necessarily for everyone. I really love that olive using olive oil gives me like a kind of warmer glow when I use it, but some people find that it makes their skin a little bit too yellowish. Um, so olive oil, like a really good high quality cold pressed olive oil, and then rosemary, rose calendula, sometimes even St. John's wort, infu- and chamomile infused into the oil for six to eight weeks 
and then decanting the oil. And I actually really like, I know that some people are like, don't let your oil get in the sun, but I actually really like energetically what happens when I let my herbal oil infuse in the sun for a little bit and use it when it is warm from the sun on my skin. Can you just explain more what you mean by energetically? What what sort of things do you get out of it? Well, there's a sense of there's a sense of inspiration I feel from the energy of the sun. I know I'm going a little bit far out here, so you have to forgive me. No, I I I'm <laughs> please. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. So there's a sense of inspiration that I feel from the sun where yeah, the best the best way to sum it up into one word would be confidence. I feel like the sun is a massive example and inspirer of confidence. And so when I let my oils infuse in the sun and then put them on my skin, it feels like I'm massaging that glow of confidence and, and anointing myself with confidence. I think there is a lot of power in the sun. You know, we get so many benefits from the sun and our earth obviously gets so many benefits from the sun. So even if it is somewhat placebo effect or, you know, even if we can't explain exactly what's happening, I do think that the sun is such a beautiful gift. So I, I don't think what you're saying is too far out there. <laughs> I really don't. So I want to talk a little bit about your skincare practice that you have within your larger healing practice. You know, obviously you have been in the practice of healing for for so long. And I want to I want to get into you know this program that you developed called Skin Secrets and what goes into it and also why did you decide to go into into this field and within your larger healing practice. So why don't why don't we just begin by you telling me kind of the setup of what Skin Secrets is? So Skin Secrets is an on-demand online course that I developed and it was really actually inspired from people within my Space by Mama medicine community and within my Instagram community, just asking me, what do you do with your skin? What do you do with your skin? Like, the thing is, like, I don't necessarily feel that I have amazing skin for a 38-year-old. I think what people are really seeing is... um it is a glow. It's it's there's an energy. I think they're they're feeling something from me and they equate it to my skin, but I think it's a lot more to do with really being a seeker of balance and harmony within myself and then probably emitting that energy outwardly. And so when when people see me, they feel maybe this sense of balance and harmony and they think it's my skin, but it's so much more than that. So when people ask me what I do with my skin, it's like, well, I can't really be like, use this moisturizer and <laughs> you'll, you'll get it, right? So Skin Secrets was a course that I developed almost as like a gift for people to really understand not just the skincare practices that I have, but also my outlook on skin, what I see and can read within the skin. For for example, like to me, th there's different spiritual causes of different skin concerns that we have. 
And so I do a whole list of what I view as the spiritual causes behind different skin concerns that come up. And Would you mind sharing just a few? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Well, name the skin concerns. Okay. Let's do I, I I get flushing quite a bit. I you know, I it comes from a lot of food triggers. Unfortunately, some of my favorite things like, you know, coffee and wine and also stress. I notice that my fl- my face flushes quite a bit more during periods of stress or, you know, lack of sleep. Yeah. I mean, to me, this indicates being a very heart-centered person and just having a lot of heart in things. And so you want to kind of treat it with herbs that will treat the heart, for example, like a rose oil, or even to just smell a little bit of rose absolute essential oil will help to kind of cool you down when that flushing comes up. And, you know, I think that with flushing, it actually shows that you're highly sensitive, not only to different substances, but also different situations. And so Going I am a sensitive person. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I've sensitive head to toe. I have sensitive skin. I'm sensitive in my personal life. <laughs> yeah. So you have to you you have to own that. And actually I think that sensitivity is a strength. I think that it's an intuitive connection and hit, actually. So owning that and then kind of giving yourself more gentle experiences, like your brilliant body and your brilliant skin is telling you exactly when someone, something is too much for you. And so Mm -hmm. you go, okay, body, okay, being, I will give you more gentle experiences. Do you live in New York? I do. Yes. Well, yeah. So then you have to really focus on those gentle Experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, easier said than done, but I will absolutely give it a go. No, that I mean, it's interesting you say that because I listen, I love living in New York. I love New York. It's absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, the city that I do call home. But when I go on vacation and I and I leave and I'm in nature, I I notice that I can I can have all the coffee in the world. I can have all the wine in the world. I can eat these spicy foods that I normally would cause flushing. It doesn't happen in the same way. And so because, you know, probably I am relaxed and I'm, you know, I'm I'm focusing on treating my body gently because I'm on vacation or whatever it is. So it's it, it, basically what you're saying does ring true in practice from my own experience. So that's really interesting. Um so what you're describing to me, is this your concept of reading a face? Because I, I, what I've seen in your practice, it does it says that you, you read faces. Is that kind of what this is, what we just talked about? Yeah. So I read people's auras. That's the biggest yeah. thing for me is like the colors and energy around people comes through really strongly. But when I see people, be it online or in person, I can see so much about people in their skin. And you know, I think that there there's people out there who have really amazing, amazing practices built up around intuitive reading of the skin. And I actually think it's something that we all do kind of on a certain level when we can hop out of the paradigm of, of judgment and judging other people or judging ourselves for what's coming up in our skin and more look at it as a way to learn something from another. You can you can really see a lot about people in their skin. And then when so when you do this, 
what's what's the next step? Do you just do you is it about just informing them what you are seeing so that they can acknowledge it? If they ask me specifically about their skin, I will tell them what I see coming up, but I don't ever want to point out something about somebody's skin without them asking me about it because I wouldn't want to make them feel anything less than perfect when they're in front of me, you know? Sure. Yeah. Of course. So to get back to, you know, skin secrets, what are some of the other elements of this practice that you have? You know, obviously it's about being intuitive with your own skin needs and then relying on, you know, plants to, you know, to help the skin. And But what else goes into it? What are some of the core pillars of, you know, what you teach? Intuitively tapping into your own skin is is the biggest part of it. And then there's another part of how to make the herbal medicines to be your own skin healer and what different herbs can address what and what different just lifestyle practices can address what. And there's sort of a whole mindset that goes into the course of how to be your own skin healer. There's a lot of mindset also of creating or, or sort of allowing self-care to be something you live rather than another thing that you have to do. And so there's, there's, it's like lecture plus practices plus ceremonies. There's even like a sound bath for that's dedicated to the skin that I offer within. But then I also tell people like the real deal things that I actually do on my skin. It's from a place of personal experience. And so I wanted to give people a lot of like the mindset and the spirituality behind skin and make your own skin medicine. But at the same time, like get into just the nitty gritty of what I actually do on myself to be my own skin healer and talk a lot about the different things that I have faced as someone with also incredibly sensitive skin. And so I I want people I want people to know, like, I worked, I work really hard on my skin, I would say, like the baths and the different oils that I'm attracted to. And I love like a good skincare nerd out session, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the as I bring forward like the estheticians that I think are really amazing skin healers out there and the different brands that I love, like all of that is also brought forward in Skin Secrets. What do you find as people's biggest hurdles to get over when they go on their skincare journey? Because, you know, obviously people come to you with their questions and wanting to learn more about skincare and self-care. You know, do you find that people have hurdles to, to get over, mental hurdles to get over, to get to this place of, you know, viewing self-care as a priority or, you know, being intuitive with their skin? Yeah, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle is actually trying to force ourselves into being something. Like if you if you think about it, we are water, right? And you would never try to put the ocean in a container. You yes. know? Yet we try to put ourselves in these containers of age and beauty standards and and perfection and it's like first of all that that's not going to happen it doesn't exist and also we we are water and so therefore we are formless 
And so for me, like when I think about age and I, I see little things coming up, it's like, I want to age like water. And, and if you think about it, like water never ages, you never go look at the, the waterfall and go, man, this waterfall looks so old. You know? <laughs> right. So like, I want to, yeah. I want to age like water in a formless way. I don't want to force my skin to be what it was when I was 16. First of all, not possible. And second of all, like the the trying to force myself into being that in the first place is going to give me a bit of honestly, like a hardened and stiff expression. And I will carry the energy of force. And that energy will come through as like stress or frustration. And really, it's just me trying to force myself into some form that's either outdated, no longer serves me or is really not possible. So I think that in general, that's the biggest hurdle. And it has a lot to do with cultural conditioning. But what I what the mindset that I really want to get people into is let let's embrace that we are water. And let's bring ourselves and our cells of our bodies into in our cells of our skin into a state of homeostasis through allowing ourselves to just be that then allows ourselves and ourselves to come back into a state of balance. I think that's beautiful. I loved the water analogy that you were giving. And, you know, I mean, to take it back to the bathing rituals, I think that's why another reason why we find bathing rituals to be so so important and so healing. And we have for, you know, all of human history, because, you know, we, on some level, I think people just inherently connect to water. And so, yeah, I just think that's a really, really beautiful analogy. I want to ask, you view skincare from the space as spirituality, you know, connect skincare issues or with various spiritual, you know, spiritual concerns or, you know, something that might be happening on a spiritual level. And when you do this, I, I am sure some people look at it with a raised eyebrow or they they don't necessarily see how you could connect spirituality with what's happening on a physical level in your skin. I just, you know, what, I guess, what's your response to people who view looking at skincare this way in a skeptical manner? I mean, I... I really have embraced the raised eyebrow. Yeah. He's like, I'm a seeress and I read auras. Like I've, I've embraced the raised eyebrow. Like I've sure. had medical <laughs> doctors, just really straight up medical doctors come to me and say, listen, like, I don't know what you're, what you're doing. I don't think I necessarily believe it, but I'm here. I have an open mind and then leave the medicine reading just totally like heart open, mind blown. So I I actually really embrace the skeptic. And, you know, I think with, with skeptics, it's like there's a difference between wanting to sort of like being being dogmatic within oneself to the point of wanting to like disprove something and having really an agenda there. And there's being skeptical, like, I'm not necessarily open to it. I'm not necessarily close to it. I'm willing to be, be open and, and learn more, and then filter it through my own processing system. 
And, you know, to these people, I say, whatever works for you, you, you keep it with you. And whatever doesn't work for you, you, you take it out. And I'm not offended at all because I, I don't have an agenda of people needing to believe me or believe in me. I know that what I put out there will work for some and not for others. And I, I think that's like one of the beautiful parts of human diversity. It's like the, the contours and contrast and thought forms. It's what makes people so incredibly fascinating to me. But in terms of like connecting the spirituality to skincare, I would say like, look back into the ancientness of your own lineage. Like, you know, for, for me, I mentioned my Sicilian grandmother, but I'm Irish American. I'm very, very, very Irish. And my family comes, comes from Cork. And my family comes from Cork. Yes. So funny. Do you know where? Uh, I don't. That has been lost to time, but I, I do know that we can trace back to the region. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. funny. Okay. So you'll love this. Okay. In, I'm sure I will. In, in, in Cork, if you go back into ancient times, meaning like even going back to pre the the Romans and pre the English showing up there, the ancients would go out on Beltane, which is May 1st. We, we know it as May Day. They would go out on Beltane and they would collect the dew from the clover and they would put the dew on their skin and they would equate that to why the women from that region were so beautiful. And, and, it's really interesting because when you look into the physical botanical properties of clover, it's very high and rich in vitamin C, which is a lot of what you see people bringing forward to, to have a glow, you know? So they, they just knew, they just knew this, that it was an intuitive practice for them. Clover may seem like a strange skincare ingredient or, you know, at least one you don't hear highlighted that often, but it does make its way into many modern skincare formulas. And research shows that it has tons of antioxidant properties, anti-inflammatory benefits, skin healing, and regenerative properties too. Yeah, it's also something that can be proved by science. And, and you know, it's something that I believe is still practiced there today in certain parts of Cork. I think so many times with these ancient healing practices, you know, it will be a situation where they're doing, you know, like the clover, for example, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're using the clover, they're using the dew from the clover. And then, you know, many thousands of years later, hundreds of years later, you know, we do the research in it and we say, oh, well, yeah, of course it worked. It had vitamin C and here's why X, Y, Z is all why vitamin C is so good for the skin. And it really goes to show that I, I do think humans there is like an intuitiveness to humans that we that we know how to heal ourselves through mm-hmm. nature on some level and i think that's just really beautiful i do too and you know for me i'm all about like the poetry and the story and like this thing of like oh wow my ancestors were so cool they went out on beltane and they collected the dew of clover and put it on their skin and i'm going to make this my practice because i love that poetic piece of it 
and it feel it feels to me like when I do it, I'm honoring my own lineage. However, like somebody else might be like, oh yes, that's right. It's very high in antioxidants, sure. and vitamin C, and that's you know, and it's yeah. like a different way of viewing the world sure. and and viewing life and moving through life, but. Neither is wrong or or right. Both are both have their own their own medicine and yeah, their own purpose. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's it all just boils down to what makes you feel most at home and comfortable in your own rituals. And, you know, if you need a study to back up why you're doing something, then by all means. Or if you are somebody who, you know, like yourself, wants to bathe in the beauty of of life, then you know, that's, that's also like you said, a beautiful and valid way to live. You know, last question that I want to ask you, what do you do for yourself personally? Obviously you get this question quite a bit, it sounds like, but you know, this isn't just a product question. I tell people it it never is. If I were to answer it, I don't just talk about products. It's about lifestyle choices that you make and what you prioritize and you know, how, how does that, I, I always say everything is skincare. So I would just, I would love to hear how you care for yourself. Well, I think in regard to skincare, the number one way I would be able to answer that question, which thank you for asking it, is taking time to ask my skin, what do you need today? What do you need? Like every morning, just a little like tune in and a little check in with asking my skin, what what do you need? And not forcing my ideas or or putting force or go, coming at my skin with that energy of fixing, but rather tuning in and going, okay, skin, what do you need today? And then allowing both my, my skincare practices and just my practices throughout the day to kind of evolve around that check-in with my skin. What do you need today? And I ask my spirit, like, what do you need today? And it, it, it always changes every day. It's always a little bit different. But I've noticed that tuning in and checking in and asking and respecting my skin as a great teacher has really worked out very well for me in terms of skincare. Intuitive skincare is it's something that I practice and I, I know that it helps helps me with my skin. So I think that's a Beautiful, beautiful ritual and beautiful uh, way to talk about your own skin. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved this conversation. It is something that really resonates with me. And so I, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Alex, thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everybody at Mind Body Green. I love everything that you're doing there. And I really appreciate that something like this exists in the world. Oh, well, thank you. I'll pass along the compliments to the, <laughs> to the entire team. It takes a village. Hey, guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.